How's everybody doing? Good morning. Yeah, good to see you all. Well, it is Father's Day. Can we give it up for our fathers? What a blessing. Fathers are a blessing. You know, I do want to say one thing. I know that Pastor Nett was touching on, you know, we're taking next steps and all that. And those are exciting times, but we're growing in many different ways. Um, and so, you know, not only are we growing as a people here at Church at the Bridge, not only are we growing in our own lives, not only are we growing in our influence and the next steps that we're taking, but we're also growing in other ways. Um, you know, for exa- I'll give you an example. My son gets married in October, and as a father, there's no greater sense of pride than to have your own son, you know, step into that role as a man and see him put on his big boy pants, you know, and start making big boy decisions and all that good stuff. But um, I share that with you because uh, Deacon Lenning, who some, many of you know, has been one of our deacons faithfully here for some time, um, is now taking a step of faith. He's going to be starting a ministry in the Beacon area, pushing out that way. And so we celebrate that. So it's not goodbye. It's a good thing. And so first service, we had him here. And uh, we laid hands on him. And, you know, we, 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 we're just really excited for them. They're going to be starting in July. I've been meeting with him now for several weeks. And we've just been talking about how he's going to do this and next steps and helping them with some resources and some additional things. Uh, look, we believe in building the kingdom, not castles, like my yeah. wife said. And so yeah. we, we, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, and so we celebrate that. But anyway, uh, this Father's Day, I want to share with you a message. Um, over the last two weeks, we've been on a series entitled, Why Not? A, a, a series entitled, Why Not? And what we've been looking at is how, you know, God, when God calls us out to take steps of faith, that doesn't mean that there aren't questions that don't arise. Let's be honest with ourselves. God tells you it's time to take a step, and it doesn't make sense, or you may just have a word from God, but you're not clear on what everything else is going to be. I want you to think about this, um, that those questions do arise, questions that come across as like, why now? Is this possible? Did God really say this? Can I do this? Can God do this? And in the midst of those things, there's always a response in faith from God. And the response that we'll find is that God says, why not? If I've given you my word, why not? If I've anointed you, why not? If I'm calling you to do that which is exceeding, abundant, above and beyond, because I'm the one doing the work through you, why not? And so in the midst of all those things, we have to face these these questions head on. I love the way Jesus put it in Matthew 19, 26. It says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, All things are possible. I want you to consider this, that he's talking about two realms. He's talking about two systems. One is with men, and he says, that's not possible. If you're depending upon men to see what I've called you to do, where I'm leading you, then he says, of course, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Over these last uh, two weeks, we've been doing a three-week, we're in a three-week uh, devotional series that I've been doing in the morning lives on so, uh, live on social media, and we've also been sending it out. And one of the things that I was touching on this past week was that word with. Notice that Jesus says, with God. And that word with is possible because that word with talks about relationship. 
It talks about in partnership. It talks about joining two things and they become one. And so what I want you to see is that that word with there, when Jesus says with men, it's impossible. But with God, in relationship with God, all things are possible. And so on this Father's Day, I'd like to point your attention to God the Father by talking about the Father's love. The Father's love. See, while we celebrate all fathers today, there's no greater example and there's no greater means of encouragement for fathers and for all of us than to look at the Father's love. Listen, I want you to think about this. When God decided to express the full measure of his love and reveal himself unto all mankind, I want you to think about this. He did it by revealing himself as a father. As a father. And that's important because many times we look at God as God. And I'm this little puny thing out here. And no, God is ever near. He calls himself Father. He says, I am your Father. I'm going to say that again. I am your Father. I am your Father. And so today we'll be turning to a familiar portion of Scripture for some of us. Whether you've, whether, whether you've heard this a million times or this is your first time, my prayer and my hope for you is that you will hear this through a new set of ears and that you will see the Father through a new set of eyes and that your heart will be open to God's love for you because that is the difference maker in your life and mine. And so today we're going to turn to Luke 15 and we're going to look at a story that is commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. But if we're to truly appreciate this parable, we have to look at this, at this parable in context of what Jesus is trying to say. And so in order to do that and for us to really appreciate the Father's love for us, in order for us to truly appreciate the example that we have of God as a father and what that means for us as fathers and what that means for our lives in, in terms of our personal relationship with him as our father, we have to look at the verses before that. So let's, look, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Luke 15, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I want you to start getting a picture here. I want you to start getting a picture here. That there are two types of people with Jesus here. Jesus is sitting amongst a crowd of people. And in the midst of that crowd, here's what's happening. There are people that don't know him. There are people that live their life independent of God. They know no better. They do their own thing. They're following their own way. Life, it is what it is what it is to them. I do what I want. I go where I want. I act like I want. I live like I want. I have nothing to do with God. And Jesus is sitting amongst a group of people that in this world and the Bible would identify as sinners. All that simply means is this. You know, sinners is not a bad word. It just simply means you don't know God. That, that's what it is. You know, we act like people because they, they're quote-unquote sinners. It's like, oh, oh, my God, they are sinners. No. They just don't know God. And so there are people that don't know God, but then there are people who quote-unquote do know God. 
And these are the religious people. These are the Pharisees and the scribes. And so Jesus is sitting among two types of people. And watch what it says in verse 2. It says, uh, uh, it says but the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so you got one group looking at the other group and going, they don't even belong here. Right? But watch verse 3. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. That's an important portion of Scripture. Because Jesus is using a parable to reveal a truth about the kingdom. And more importantly, what we're going to see here is he uses these parables to teach all men about the king of the kingdom. And so watch what happens. In verse 4, he says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. He says, Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so let's pause right here for a moment. As I said, Jesus is found amongst two types of people. And notice that in this parable, he contrasts one group of sheep versus one who's gone astray. Are you starting to get a picture here? This parable is directly in response to the two types of people he's sitting amongst. And he says this, because he perceives, he hears what they're saying. This guy sits with sinners. This is supposed to be the son of God? This is supposed to be the promised Messiah. This is supposed to be a good teacher, a teacher from sent, sent to us from God. And he says, they're saying to themselves, surely this guy's got it twisted because he's sitting amongst sinners. Doesn't he know where they've been? Doesn't he know what they do? Doesn't he know how they think? Doesn't he know the manner of life that they're living? Can I just say something to you as a, as a quick rabbit trail here in regards to church at the bridge? We are friends of sinners. I'm going to say that again. We are friends to sinners. We are friends to those people that are afar off and don't know God. We are friends to them. It's the reason why we go out into the community and we function the way we function. It's the reason why we befriend people in the way that we do regardless of where they come, what their economic status is, what they look like, where they've been, what they do, and where they're going. I went on a motorcycle ride yesterday with uh, Howie and, and a couple of guys. We went out. Um, they, put, they put something together, and I was like, I'm in there like swimwear. I'm going. I'm, hun, clear the calendar. I know I had some other things to do afterwards, but, but it was real cool. But we went out. But one of the guys that we went with, you know, uh, we, uh, one of the guys that, that helped kind of coordinate says to me, you know, this, this guy that's going to be leading this ride, he doesn't, he's, he's not really a Christian. And I was like, awesome love it yes and you know what throughout the day we're riding we stop we you know and and we just loved on this dude and we just loved each other and what you might not know is this he starts asking asking questions he starts asking questions 
uh, we, uh, one of the guys invited him. He said, man, you know what? We, 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 we want to do a ride on the 21st to the lake, man. Why don't you lead it, man? And he goes, man, I'd love to. This is that. This is, what kind of church is this? Like there's something wrong with bike riders. Like there's something wrong with people who don't know God. And I'm going to show you that from Scripture. Because what I'm saying to you smacks right in the face of religion. You're going to see that in a second. Right? And so Jesus is sitting amongst these people, and he, he hears them. He perceives that they're saying, doesn't he know who these people are? And Jesus responds with this parable. And in this parable, what he's revealing is this, that the shepherd loves all his sheep. Now, let me, let me just say something about this. I want you to get something here. Jesus is speaking, and he's addressing Two types of people. And one, one, of these, one group is looking at the other and going, they don't belong here. And I want you to see what Jesus says. The shepherd leaves all the sheep to go after the one that belongs with the sheep. Get this picture though. Because it's very common in the church world today to go, we are the people of God. And what Jesus is saying, they're my people too. They are my sheep too. I love them too. You know, it's easy as a Christian to go, I'm blessed. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm seated in heavenly places. And what we fail to realize is that that's God's intention for the whole world. That's for all. And so listen, let me tell you, let me tell you something else. Because you know, you know something about sheep? Sheep only roll with sheep. I want you to get this. Sheep only stick with sheep. They're, they're, they're animals that, that function and proceed throughout the, 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 the length of their lives in a herd. They only stick with the sheep. Now I'm going to tell you why I'm sharing that with you. Because it's, it's very common today in some circles to go, we are the people of God. And we don't associate or we won't go there with them. And I want you to see something, sheep. That the moment you can look at someone who doesn't know Christ and say, I want nothing to do with that person, you've just rejected the very people of God. Friends to sinners. Friends to sinners. Friends to sinners. We're friends to sinners. Listen, can I, can I just encourage you all here? Invite all of them. Invite them. Bring them to church with you. Bring them to events. When we do that day at the lake, bring them. What if they bring beer? I could give a rip. Let them bring it. Let them bring it. What if they smoke cigars? So what? What if they smoke cigars? So what? So what? Well, what, 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 if, what, if they're, what, what if they're living a certain type? So what? What if they're a homosexual? So what? So what? So what? Listen, if G- Jesus is sitting amongst the worst of the worst, the Bible identifies them as tax collectors and sinners. In those days, those were the worst people. Those were the ones that were outcast in society, in the Jewish culture. And Jesus is sitting right there amongst them. Why shouldn't we? 
Why shouldn't we? Now, I get it. I came from one of those churches where if you were caught with someone that was smoking a cigarette or if you were caught with someone who was drinking or if you were found in a club or something and, and you're with somebody, and they, oh, my God, but you're supposed to be a Christian. Have you ever thought about light being necessary only in dark places? Right. Have you ever thought about that? Right. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I'm not saying go and act a fool. That's not what I'm saying either. But listen... I'm, I'm going to tell you something about your pastor. Pastor Jose is that person that if there's someone that I'm in relationship with, that I love, that I've been ministering to, and they happen to have a birthday party at a club, Pastor Jose is the guy that will walk into the club, have a cup of seltzer, right, and celebrate that person's birthday, give him a gift. But pastor, you don't belong in a club. What, did what was Jesus doing with sinners? Hello? Hello? Let's get, this, let's get this right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get this right. We're not called to judge anyone. We're not called to look down at anyone. And this is exactly what these religious people were doing. They're looking down on them going, oh, but that dude smokes crack. That dude is, is an adultery. That dude right there, he's, you know, he, he, he's a thief. That dude right there is a murderer. That dude's been in prison. That person right there, they're a homosexual. That person right there uses drugs. That person's a drunk. Jesus is sitting amongst them. Come on now. We got to get this gospel right. We got to see this for what it is. And so Jesus is sitting amongst them. And these people are going, they don't belong here. And so what we see is that the sheep loves all his sheep. We are all his sheep, even the one that doesn't know God. We're all his sheep. So bah, all you want. Bah, all you want. Let me show you something else. The shepherd cares and tends for all his sheep. He cares and he tends to all his sheep. Here's something else that I love that, I, that we see in this is that the minority is just as important to the shepherd as the majority. There is no emphasis on one over the other. He loves them all. He'll leave the ones that got it all together. He'll leave the ones that, that, that don't need it to go get the one that does. That's the heart of the shepherd. And you know what I love about this? Notice something. It says that the shepherd, he goes and he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. But then it says that he carries the one. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. The shepherd does all the lifting. Let me, let, me, let me give you an idea of what this means. Here we are saying, oh God, I'm carrying this burden for you. God, I'm doing this for you because you're God. Oh God, I'm doing this for you because you're holy. Oh God, I'm getting my life together for you. Oh God, I'm giving this up for you. Like, we're carrying this for God. And watch what the shepherd does. Now, mind you, we don't hear anything in, the, in these verses about the, shepherd, about the shepherd having anything broken. The shepherd having anything, I mean the sheep having anything broken. The sheep needing, not being able to walk. And yet the shepherd finds the sheep. And here's what he does. He lifts the sheep up. He carries it. Isn't that exactly what Christ has done in some of our lives today? We came a hot mess, Right? We didn't understand what God's purposes and plans are for our life. Here we are trying to figure this out on our own, thinking that we owe God something, that we have to do something to get right with God. And the only thing we need to do is let him lift us in our lives. 
Let him carry you. Give it to God. You know, I love the way Jesus put it. Jesus says, he says, he says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. But watch what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, give me your junk. We have this idea in the church world that you got to give it up to God. He didn't say, give it to me so I can carry it. He says, you take my yoke upon you because my burden is easy. My burden is light. Let me take on what I'm giving you for life. Not what you give me. And so in all these things, we begin to understand the great length to which God the Father goes for us all. But I want you to see Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want you to get a picture here. That, that term there, silver coin, refers to a, a, a piece of silver that in those days was worth, what, that in these days would, is, would be worth $324. You might say, that's not a big amount of money. But back in those days, that was a fortune. That was a fortune. And so here's what I want you to see in this, in this parable of the lost coin. This lost silver coin is, illustrates our great value to God. So much so that while he's still got another nine, he'll go get that one that's been lost. Why? Because you see, what it illustrates is the great lengths to which the Father goes to redeem us, to restore us, and how much he celebrates our relationship with him. Here we are thinking, I'm going to church, I'm going to worship in the house of the Lord, I'm going to celebrate Jesus, and what we fail to realize is that Jesus celebrates us. Woo! Whoa! Some of you didn't get that. That went over your head. Listen, he celebrates his relationship to you. And so, which now leads us into the parable of what we know to be the prodigal son. But at surface level, what you're going to see is that this isn't a story about a prodigal son. This is a story, this is a parable that illustrates the father. The father. And so, I want us to turn to Luke 15, verses 11 through 31. And as you're turning there, I want you to consider these points real quick. I want you to consider, just based on what we read so far, that God is interested in a personal relationship with you. I want you to think about this. God is interested in a personal relationship with you. Notice that the coin didn't go looking for its owner. Notice that the sheep didn't go looking for its shepherd. No, on the other hand, the shepherd went to look for the sheep. The woman who was the owner of the coin went looking for her coin. What I want you to see is that God is pursuing relationship with you more than you could ever pursue a relationship with him. God is seeking personal relationship with you. Here's what else we see, that there's nothing more precious to God than you. There is nothing more precious to God than you. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing more precious to God than you. You are that precious to God that he would go seek you and find you when you did not want to be found. 
That's the love of God, not just for us, but unto all mankind. And here's what we also see, that there's nothing God wouldn't do to be with you. Nothing that God wouldn't do to be with you. And so let's start at verse 11 in Luke 15. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Now let me just remind you of something. Remember this. Jesus is addressing two people. Two classes of people. Who are they? The sinners. Those that don't know him. And he's addressing the church people. The religious people. And so begin to get a picture here of what Jesus is saying. What is, the, what is he bringing across? What is he saying about the father? He says, so there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the sh- my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Let me tell you why that's important. Because notice this. In essence, this is what that, what that son is saying. He's saying, Dad, I'm supposed to wait till you die for me to get my inheritance. But I would much rather that you just be dead now. So just give me... What's mine? Give me what's mine. And watch what the father does. He gives everything that's his to both his sons. Doesn't the scripture say that God has given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness? Doesn't the scripture say that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing? Listen to what I'm saying here, that God has, he's, he's, he's spread out unto all mankind, all that's necessary, all that he would ever do, all that he would ever give, and he did it in Jesus. Why is that important for us to understand? Because many times we act like we're still waiting for God to do something. We're still waiting for God to give us a portion of our inheritance. And what we see here is completely different. The Father has given everything unto his children. Listen, you might be looking at people and might be going, well, man, they don't know Jesus, and you're right. But it's not that they lack Jesus. They just don't know what they have. They don't know what they have. They don't know what they have. And so let's continue looking forward. In verse 13, it says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. You know what that's saying in the the Greek? It's saying that he sold himself as a slave. He sold himself into slavery. And so he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Get this, not even the pigs left him anything. And so when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Hmm. But the father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Hmm. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything I have is yours But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I want you to begin to consider what's happening here. As I said before, at surface level, this this parable would seem to be about a son who went wayward. That's where we would primarily focus. That's the tendency of people, especially in the church world, to look at the brother who was in error. He's all jacked up. He's all messed up. Isn't that what Jesus was addressing at that very moment? He's addressing these people. He's addressing the misconception of what's happened here. But if we really look at this parable on a deeper level and the intent of it, what we'll find is that the real focus here is intended to be on the Father and His love. On the Father and His love. Jesus is revealing, hey, you think you know my heart for people. You think you know my love for you and others. You ain't seen nothing yet. And so he begins to share this through a parable. And in the story, what we see is that God pursues relationship with all, regardless of what they believe or if they accept his love for him. God is pursuing relationship with all people. He's pursuing relationship with the guy who will never see the light of day who's sitting in the cell. He's pursuing relationship with the person who's jacked up and messed up and cracked up and, they, and nobody wants anything to do. He's pursuing relationship with the drunk. He's pursuing relationship with the, with the businessman. He's pursuing relationship with the person who's white and black and Chinese and this and that. He's pursuing the relationship with the Democrat and the Republican and the Independent. He's pursuing relationship with the homosexual, with the murderer, with the liar, with the adulterer, with the killer, with the thief. He's pursuing relationship with all. With all. With all, with all. You know what I love about this parable, about this revelation that Jesus is making known to us? As I said before, the father divided his property unto both sons. Why is that important? Because I want you to see that what you've received in Christ is not just yours. It's everyone that doesn't know him as well. It's theirs. You know, here we are trying to get our speeches together. How am I going to tell them about Jesus? 
How am I going to share with them? You know, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Tell them what you've received. It's not about you being eloquent. It's not about any, any one of us having it together. Hello? Last time I checked, none of us has arrived. And if you think you have, wake up. Wake up, because we got a long way to go. we got a long way to go. But with God, it's possible. Listen, you're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling with your kids. You're struggling with decisions. You're struggling with... Instead of trying to lift yourself up and trying to figure it up on you, why not let the good shepherd do the lifting? Why not let him lead you and guide you? Why not, why not discover his love for you instead of you trying to love him more? Here we are trying to love God more. Last time I checked, you know how love works? You discover someone loves you and that creates something in your heart. That begins to change you and transform you. Let me tell you, when I met my wife and I understood her love for me, man, here I am thinking that I love her and, and that love for me changed me in such a way. But it was the love of God operating through her. What makes us think that God's love is any different? It's not about what we do for God. It's about what he's done for us. And so I want to look at the father from two perspectives. First, I want to look at the son that left. This son, as we read, leaves. He says, Dad, I wish you were dead, but you're not, but I want everything you got for me. So he takes what the father gives him. The other brother takes what the father gives him. And this first brother leaves the house. He leaves the home, and the Bible says that he goes to a foreign land, to a far-off place. And there it says that he lives wastefully. He lives excessively. He lives lavishly. That's what that word prodigal means. He's wasting it all away. And he's surrounded by a whole bunch of people. And these people are like, man, you're the life of the party. I love you, brother. I'm with you. I'm for you. And they're all there and everything's good. And then all of a sudden, he wastes everything. And to make matters worse, a famine comes. A dry season in his life comes. And everyone that was around him is now gone. 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 They're all gone. You know, we've all heard it said that the grass always looks greener on the other side. But you know, if, if, you, if you ever find yourself in that place, or maybe you're there now where you're going, well, God, it's working for them, but it's not working for me. But God, your word says, but I'm not seeing that in my life. Can I, can I just encourage you with something? Instead of focusing on the grass on the other side that looks greener, why not start watering your own with the truth of God's word? Why not start taking a hold of the promises of God? Why not begin to focus upon Jesus in your life instead of looking at Jesus in somebody else's life? Why not start looking at your own life instead of judging people and saying, oh, these sinners, oh, these people. No, start looking at, at your side and saying, God, thank you that just, you, you love me, but you also love them just as much. And so this son, he's in this foreign land. Now he's in a dry season. And the Bible says that he joins himself. He sells himself, he sells himself in slavery to someone from this foreign land. And the Bible says that as he does that, that this foreigner says to him, hey, I got a great deal for you. Best deal since sliced bread. I'm going to let you feed my pigs. You know, if you think about who Jesus is speaking to, he's speaking to Jewish people. 
And to them, hearing that, it's like, whoa, that is the pits. Because pigs are detestable. We have nothing to do with them. They're prohibited unto us. It's the filthiest animal that you could ever think of in their, in their, in their traditions, in, the, in, 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 in their understanding. And so Jesus says, yeah, this guy goes and he sells himself to someone, and this guy puts him to feed his pigs. And it gets so bad that not even the pigs feed him. He's wanting what the pigs are eating. He's wanting to have dinner with pigs. And he can't even do that. Let me share a thought with you. That when it comes to a relationship with God, distance is deadly. Let me say that again. When it comes to a relationship with God, distance is deadly. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's not that God is distant from you, but when you see yourself distant from God, let me tell you something. Everything around you begins to die away. Relationships. Things that you once held valuable. All those things begin to to, to just shrivel in your life. And it's not that God has left you, but in your perspective, you've shifted so far from God that you're saying, I can't. Nothing is, nothing's working. It's, it's all going to waste. And what I want you to see here is that the father is not distant. But this son, in his own understanding, is distant from the father. So much so that he chooses other relationships and other things over his personal relationship with his father. Man. The same is true about a distant relationship from our loving Father. Don't ever let anything or anyone, anything you've done, anything you do, anything you will do, ever convince you that you are distant from a personal relationship with God. Because the Bible says that even when we are unfaithful, He remains faithful. What part don't we get about nothing can separate us from the love of God? No height, no depth, no width, no length. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so while he's in need, and he's attempting to have dinner with pigs, it can't get no worse. He has an aha moment. He says, ah, I'll go back to my father's house. But watch what he says. He says, but when I go over there, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned before heaven and in your sight. And Dad, I'm not good enough to be called your son anymore. Just allow me to be one of your slaves. I'm going to tell you something about personal relationship with God. That when it comes to a personal relationship with God... Distance creates distortion. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Leave that point up. Distance creates distortion. This son was a son of this father. And he finds himself in dire straits. He is messed up. He has made a crucial mistake. He's lost it all, or so it seems, or so he thinks. But he finds himself in the midst of this bad situation and he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father, but here's what I believe, that I can no longer be his son. That I'm no longer worthy to hold the title of son. 
That I can no longer be in relationship with him. That all I'm worth being is a slave. And he goes to his father. And what does the Bible tell us? That while he's still afar off, it says that the father looks from afar and he goes, Guys, that's my son. That's my daughter. Hey, get the rope of righteousness because they're still righteous in my sight. Get the ring that, that asserts and assures that they are, they have my authority and that they're still called to be everything that I've called. Get sandals and put them on his feet so that they understand that this gospel of peace still leads them. It's still for them. It still guides them. It still produces in their life. Man. Listen. This guy is coming back to his father and he's probably full of mud. He stinks. He's messed up. And you know what's interesting? While he doesn't recognize that he's a son, the father recognizes him as a son. Listen, listen. Life gets muddy sometimes. And sometimes we even find ourselves trying to have dinner with pigs, so to speak. Going to the worst places. But let me, let me assure you of something today. That does not change your title as son and daughter. That does not change the love of the Father for you. That does not change your relationship with God. We might change, but God is unchanging. God says, my covenant I will not break. If I have declared it, I'm keeping it. I do not repent about what I've called you and my gifts upon your life. I'm not turning away from what I intend for you. And so listen, the best place to be is back in an understanding where we don't see ourselves distant from the Father. But we understand how near and dear we are to Him. Here we are thinking, I'm seeking a relationship with you, God. And what we fail to realize is that He's seeking one with us. Oh, man. Oh, thank <laughs> and so this son was so distant in his understanding of his position as a son unto the father that he believed that he wasn't good enough to be a son. You know, we can do that sometimes. Oh, God, I'm not worthy. God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm making all these mistakes right now. God, I, I, I don't know how, how I can come here. I feel like a hypocrite. You've, maybe you've even been, been surrounded by people that tell you, you know what, you can't do that. You're hypocritical. Who gives a rip? Listen, what does the father say? I love you. You're my child. Come as you are. Come. I love you. You belong in the family. You belong in the household of faith. You belong here. Here. Right now with me. And so this father sees his son afar off, and he recognizes him despite what he looks like, despite what he's done, despite his mistakes. If you find yourself distant or afar off believing that you aren't good enough to be the son of God the Father, listen to what God says to you today. I see you. I know you. I love you. 
and I rejoice over you. I celebrate you. I celebrate my relationship with you. I celebrate my faithfulness unto you. I celebrate my gifts and callings upon you that are without repentance. I celebrate all that I've done in Christ in you. And while you might think you, you can't go, while you might think I got to back up, while you might think I got to give up, God says, I haven't given up on you. As a matter of fact, while you're busy trying to run away from me, I'm running towards you. So the Bible talks about this other son, the one that stayed. Now, by now, you should have probably, you're probably figuring this out. The son that left, the wayward one, the one that's referred to as the prodigal, is the one that doesn't know the father, doesn't know God. The father here is God. On the other hand, we have the other son who's always been with the father, and he gets upset. He says, how could you celebrate? This dude went and wasted everything that you gave him on, waste, on wasteful living. He's, he's been shacking up with prostitutes. And you're going to take the fattened calf and you're going to slay it and celebrate him? Well, isn't that what God did for all of us in Jesus Christ? Can I say something to you all in complete love? Let none of us ever be found to look upon somebody that doesn't know God and somehow treat them or speak of them or push them away because somehow we feel that they don't have it together. Listen, you know what was this guy's biggest problem? He didn't realize that the fattened calf wasn't just slayed for his brother. It was slayed for him as well. He didn't realize that the father wasn't just celebrating his son who had left, but he was celebrating the one who didn't know that he was always there with him. And so ladies and gentlemen, listen, distance causes us to miss what we already have. When, we, when it comes to a relationship with God, if we're distant in our understanding of God as our Father and His relationship unto us, then what, what happens is we begin to miss that what God said is a done deal. My son, my daughter, my child. John chapter 1 verse 12, I believe it is, it says that to them who believed in Him, to them who received Him, He gave the right to be called children of God. Listen, God gave himself unto all the world. Every last person on this earth has the right to be a child of God. Some of us know our rights, some of us don't. And so why do I share this with you as we're closing here? I want to read something to you from my personal notes. Every Bible that I have is scribbled all over. I can't keep a neat Bible, but that's all right. Neither son understood the love of the father. But listen, why? Because neither son understood the gift that they had received. Let me say something to you. If you find yourself ever struggling in a dry season, somehow feeling like you're distant from the father, the issue isn't God's love for you. The issue is that we don't understand the great gift that was given for us all. Jesus Christ that makes us right with God 
that makes it all possible with God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand today. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great gift that you've given for all of us. Not just for us who call ourselves children of God, but Lord, even for the sinner, even for the one who doesn't know you. And Lord, today we come unto you with hearts full of thanksgiving. Thankful, Lord, that you've grafted us into the vine, that you've called us your children, and that we today have the privilege to look unto you as our Father. And so, Lord, today we embrace this gift. We say thank you. Now, listen, what we do here is recorded, and it's put out. And so, whether you know Jesus here or you don't, maybe there's somebody that will even be hearing this recording. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, anyone here today or anyone that, that, that is hearing this recording, I want you to know that God loves you all the same. That God rejoices over you all the same. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you will do, God the Father is consistent with His nature, which is His love for you. And so today, let's join together in prayer and let's simply pray this if we truly come to a place where we believe God loves us and He's pursuing relationship with us through Jesus. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid a price for me. And so today, I accept the truth. The price is paid in full. And I now belong to the Father. And the Father belongs to me. And I'm in relationship with God. Come on now, let's celebrate that. If you believe that with all your heart, we celebrate Jesus in your life. We celebrate with the kingdom of God that rejoices over you. Now, Father, we leave here with deep appreciation for who you are and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Have a great week and happy Father's Day.